0: I'm James Deacon, and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and the worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they are a dick is up to you. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is my friend and yours. How should I introduce you? Uh, your friend and theirs. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is your friend and theirs, <laughs> Jeff Lloyd. <laughs> Hello, James. Uh, hi, Jeff. How are you? Uh, I'm. I'm well. Uh, the the whole premise of this is slightly. Uh, shaky for me because I just think I am not somebody who would survive in any kind of plane crash. Right. (laughs) Because I have no survival instinct. I am, I'm just ready to die at any given moment. Mm. I just, you know, if, if, um, I have a hairy moment in an Uber where the guy pulls out probably when the light is on red and I think, okay, well, I'm probably going to die now. I don't think, yeah. how would I get out of this? Yeah. And I think if a plane was going down, my instinct wouldn't be, how can I get out of the wreckage? Who would I eat? Yeah. It would be just, okay, t- take me now. I've lived long enough. Yeah, yeah, so, that's it. you know, it's, it's a flimsy premise in, in my case. Uh, oh, no, I think it's a flimsy premise anyway. <laughs> I just want you to come on and tell me who you think is a dick. But um, I think... Um, should we dive in? Sure. Who's going to be your first person? Um, Adolf Hitler. Okay, Adolf Hitler. Um, need I ask why? Well, of course, you know, res- responsible really um, for <laughs> starting the Second World War and yeah. the slaughter of millions of people and the Holocaust and so on. Yeah. So I think in a way that is reason enough I think that's a good reason to be a de- yeah. desert island dick but I know that you know you've got a certain amount of length that you need the podcast to be yes so just to elaborate a little further I share my birthday with Adolf Hitler ah okay yes so I will quite often mention this and then people will say inane things that, that somebody once said to me oh, but you're nothing like him <laughs> Yeah. Now, I know people believe in stuff like astrology and you are supposed to share some traits with the person you're born on the same day as. But I think to say you're nothing like him, well, of course I'm not. You know, I'm not responsible for any genocides. No, yeah, of I course, don't have any yeah. dictatorial. You, you worked with me, I, but I don't think I have any dictatorial uh, inclinations. Well, this so. is the part of the podcast where I wanted to bring up that. <laughs> um, but what, one thing I do have in common is that I'm a vegetarian, mm. and if you're a vegetarian, people who aren't love to say to you, well, Adolf Hitler was a vegetarian, you know, implying that there is something fundamentally untrustworthy about <laughs> yeah. somebody who chooses not to eat meat, because really what they're, you know, they, 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 they may be compassionate towards animals, but really they are considering the, the slaughter. Yes, um, okay. Of, of millions of people, which I'm not. I'm, you know, I remember talking to um, Annabelle, I used to do the radio show with, and she will quite often have murderous impulses. So in as much as somebody annoys her, she will want to kill them. Does she, Really? Well, as I don't have a single murderous impulse, I will wish people dead. Yeah. And uh, the very worst... I'd think about hiring an assassin, but in terms of murdering somebody with my own hands yeah. i never have You'd never just have rather that someone else did it, although I suppose Hitler was getting other people to do the dirty it's work, true, yeah, for him, wasn't he, so we have that in common. How but, much did he get up to on his own well yeah. not not that much that we know about really um. Did he kill his dog in the end? I think that that was the thing that he's meant to have done, right? Yeah. So I don't think he did it out of cruelty. I think he would argue, if he was still with us today, <laughs> that he did it from a position of compassion because it was, you know, that very last stage of his life where he's in the bunker and he knows the game is up, and rather let, rather than let the dog fall into the hands of the allies you know, he did the compassionate thing and, and shot it, right? Is that what's meant to have happened? I think so. I'm basing a lot of this on the film Downfall. Right. You know, okay. say, say yeah. what you will about Adolf Hitler, but we wouldn't have all those hilarious Adolf Hitler memes yeah. if it wasn't for him, where people take bits of the film Downfall right. and put funny subtitles on it. Okay. So I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is that cancels out all the other stuff, but what I'm saying is every cloud has a silver lining. That and the Volkswagen Beetle, of course, which he, uh, he Invented, yeah. That's strange, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, people say that he he drew it on the back of a napkin. I've seen the picture. Yeah, I think that's one of these kind of internet things that somebody made up. I don't think that's real, right? But okay. um, yeah, it's I, quite a weird, cute story to make up about Hitler. Well, I think I think there's some truth in that. His government wanted like some kind of utilitarian car for the people yes and they were big on the motorways of course we wouldn't have the autobahns if it wasn't for, <laughs> yeah. but not none of the. i'm worrying now that i'm coming across as an apologist for the fuhrer right. which i'm not you know i'm very much saying he is a desert island dick yep. If i'm thinking of the worst people to be on this desert island mm. with hitler has to be one of them one of the worst figures in history and i'll tell you what's offensive to me is 200 years time you're going to go to Berlin hmm. and there's going to be like an Adolf Hitler-themed tourist restaurant. Right, okay. Because that's how these things go. So we know that he was this appalling evil in human form Mm. but what history does is it just makes people into tourist attractions sure it's like genghis khan's mongolian grill is that true is that oh yeah loads of them the world yeah i mean there's genghis khan themed (sighs) stuff like so he becomes a punchline and and at some point the same will happen with hitler he he would just become you know this comical character with a mustache from history so enough time will pass yeah Despite but b- despite being responsible for the worst atrocities in history, it'll be a vegetarian restaurant. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> he um, I also think he's ruined the name Adolf. Okay, yeah. Um, Are many people being called Adolf? Is that? I d- I don't know, but well, I once when I first moved to London, I was working at uh, the radio station Virgin Radio, and we had a cleaner who was. Probably in his 30s. So this was 1999. Somebody born in the 60s, mm. um, certainly in the second half of the 20th century. Uh, he, he was also from Togo in West Africa. He was black and he was called Adolf. Oh, and right. I was thinking, who in the second half of the 20th century is calling their kid Adolf? Yeah. Where are they getting that from? To- I don't know. It's a mystery to me. Although there is a thing. I think there's part of India where there's some kind of superstition that names hold power. Okay. So there is some part of India, this, uh, some province, where you've got a bunch of local politicians, councillors and things with names like Joseph Stalin and Winston Churchill no. because those names have been like, historically significant. So people are calling their kids those names. In the hope of that? Yeah, nominative determinism, I believe they call it. That's incredible. Yeah. Adolf Hitler is going to be your first choice. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who's going to be your second choice? Osama bin Laden. Okay, I see a theme, a recurring Mm. theme. So a terrible (laughs) evil figure in early 21st century history. You make it really difficult for me to argue (laughs) an opposition. Uh, Um, Yeah, you know, a a leader in al-Qaeda and twisting the teachings of Islam to get people to commit terrible atrocities, not least one of the worst terrorist atrocities uh, in the in the Western world, and the uh, World Trade Center in America. Just awful what he unleashed. And then, of course, the stirring up of hatred against everyday Muslims that came as a reaction to that. I mean, it's just a, a terrible thing that he's unleashed on the world. But also it's made flying such a fucking <laughs> palaver. Like, I hate having to take my belt off. Yeah, it, Like, why can't we just go back? Do we not have to take our belts off before? Though? No, no, you can leave your belt on. I mean, maybe you'd have to take some things out your pockets, but really, mm. pre September the eleventh, two thousand and one, I think the security screening at the airport yeah. it was it was a formality. Mm. A pat down, and it was the pa- yeah, yeah. You could leave your keys in your pocket. It was no problem. You didn't have to worry about decanting your uh, <laughs> shampoo into tiny bottles. Yeah. It was a, it was a lot easier. Yeah, I remember being on a flight, and I can tell you the exact date. It was the 7th of September, Mm. 2001. Okay. And I was going to visit a friend who was working at a hotel in Italy, Mm. and it was an early evening flight, and the pilot came over the tannoy, and he said... um, Ladies and gentlemen, we're just about to fly over Lake Garda. It's a beautiful view tonight. We've got the sunset over the lake. Uh, if any passengers are interested in coming to the cockpit and taking a look through the front window, just contact the cabin crew, and uh, I'd be happy to welcome you and have a little chat with you. And I wasn't on an aisle seat, and I thought I'll have to budge past somebody else to get up. And I thought, ah, I'm going to get another chance to do that. There'll be some other view where a captain goes a bit giddy and asks you to come in the cockpit. Yeah. So I didn't do it. And then, of course, just days later... The eleventh September, yeah. and that's never going to happen now, is it? You just can't go. No. In there and have a look. no, and that's all because of this bastard, Osama <laughs> yeah. bin Laden. And again, I'm not saying this is the worst thing. Yeah. I'm just talking about how it has impacted me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so yeah, it's just just made the whole process of flying far less less pleasant, less enjoyable. Yeah, what a bastard. Yeah, I, and like you know, when your stuff comes out. You have to use too many trays. Mm. Why can't you just put all your things in one tray? Yeah. Does taking your laptop out of your rucksack really make that bigger difference? Once I sent just my phone through on one. Yeah. And it's, then, then they're all piling up and it's stressful like at the supermarket when stuff's coming down the conveyor belt and you're struggling mm. to get it all in the right bags. You're tying your shoelace and threading the belt back on. You're walking through the airport, not properly done. I mean, this, 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 this it's impacted terribly on me. Trying to do that with the child as well. Oh, the worst, yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, and you feel a bit judged. Yeah. By the uh, airport security people too. Because you've got a child on you. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh can you take the child's jacket off, please? Yeah. And you just look down at her and then look at them like Yeah. You're thinking, do do you really think that I'm the sort of person who would use my child to conceal <laughs> yeah. an explosive device? Yeah. I mean, I guess, but who you know, you know who does look like that? Maybe it's in your moccasins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Osama so bin Laden. Yeah, so Adolf Hitler. Is my first one, and then Osama bin Laden is my second one. Jeff, dare I ask who's going to be your third choice? Yeah, it's my wife's friend, Kimberly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why? What has Kimberly done to the world? So let me let me just be clear here. Um, Kimberly is an. Ex- I want to go through Kimberly's positives first. Okay, great. But um, she is an excellent friend to my my wife. She's lovely with my son when she's been over to visit. She lives in in America. Um, what else can I tell you about, Kimberly? If you want a restaurant recommendation, mm. there is nobody better. Like, this is somebody who... Not only knows what's happening in the restaurant scene, but she has excellent taste, and she'll be able to match just the 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 right place to the kind of occasion formal informal birthday, meeting someone the first time like she she's this, she's this food maven is is mm. what she is she uh, sounds like a good person right and she, and broadly speaking, she's good company mm. like you will go on an evening out with Kimberly and you'll you'll have a nice time but i I want to bring up two incidents okay one incident was uh, she she came over to visit london about a year ago and i was i wasn't even there and i've had this reported back to me but um, her and my wife were, were had gone for a walk and she popped into uh, a newsagent and she she wanted some water and she wanted some gum to freshen up her mouth fine so firstly they only have evian water in the newsagent and she says that's not good enough She doesn't want to drink Evian water. What water does she want? Water's water, right? I'm drinking tap water now. Yeah. There's a bit (laughs) of variation with hard and soft water. And there was one hotel I stayed at in Liverpool once, the Adelphi, where the water was, I mean, it, it was brown and you couldn't see through it. But, by and large, water's water. I challenge anybody to sit with a blindfold on and have Perrier, Evian, Buxton water, whatever, and and, and be able to tell one from another. Mm. Um, but when you said, I'm drinking tap water now, is that since you've left radio? Or <laughs> I mean, now, I mean, like this, not this not moment not in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is filtered. I've got a very nice filtering system on my fridge. yeah, I loved how you just demonstrated it with a gulp. yeah, I mean I say it's it's um tap water. it's actually uh one of those <laughs> little taps on the front, of the fridge through a very expensive, nice fridge <laughs> yeah. here in my well appointed north London home, nice, so yeah, yeah. the picture is painted, yeah. So. So I mean, I'll point out at this stage it's only eight or so months since I left radio. So give it <laughs> no. another six, and maybe I won't be able to afford the uh, the HP payments on the fridge anymore. I will be on actual tap water. But um, Kimberly's in there; so She's not want to drink. That Evian. was irritating to me. Mm. Did I say irritating word? Yeah, then? I said irritating. It's irritating. That was irritating to me. That that she would be so snooty about whether to have Avian water or not. Mm. So that's the the. First bit of evidence I offer up. Yeah. And the second thing is then, so she's walking down the street with my wife and she pops this gum in her mouth. And then a few seconds later, my wife just watches her drop the gum wrapper on the ground. (laughs) She's a litterer. Just casual. Just drops it. She says, oh, my wife says to her, sorry, did you just just litter? She brought it up straight away. Yeah. And she said, well, I couldn't see a garbage can. So I thought, you know, I shouldn't have to, uh, I shouldn't have to carry it around with me all day. Oh, like what wow. kind of a psychopath would do that? You just put it in your pocket? Yes! <laughs> Wait until you get home. Yeah. Or when you see a bin, yeah. if you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's going to be a bin at some stage. So... I th- I think this doesn't reflect well on her. This, there's a crack there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking this Kimberley is a nice person with excellent taste in restaurants and so on. Mm. But the snobbishness about the Evian water and dropping the, the gum wrapper on the ground. Are these the two occasions in one? Well, there isn't. Oh, there, I mean, that it really is one occasion. There's another thing okay. as well, which I'm not sure whether to bring up or not. But, bring it up. Okay. So Kimberley's not listening to this. Well, so we're in Chicago <laughs> and we're out for a drink with Kimberley. And I don't know, maybe she's not eaten that day, but the one or two glasses of wine seem to have gone to her head very quickly. Okay. And my wife, who is from Chicago, says in the conversation she says Do "You know, what? I see a lot of, because I'm from Manchester she says I see a lot of um, similarities between Chicago and Manchester not just because they're, you know, well, I suppose Chicago is the actual second city, Manchester is the de facto second city. Right. So I know people from Birmingham kid themselves out that it's the second city but no one thinks of it like that <laughs> no. Like, there's no culture there or anything <laughs> like yes there might have been some stuff during the industrial revolution but the de facto second city in this country is is Manchester. Um so anyway, so Sarah, Sarah says, I think there's a lot of similarity between Chicago and Manchester. And Kimberly does like a derisive snort and laughs, laughs and says, huh, I don't think so. I mean, Chicago is a major world city. Oh, and that really got my back up. Yeah, because like Manchester, birthplace of the industrial revolution, mm. the cooperative movement, where Mister Rolls met Mister Royce. Yeah, so much great culture has come from there. The Smiths, mm. the Stone Roses, New yeah. Order, Joy, Joy Division. I mean, it's just this. this Does she split, not know music? They split the at, atom. For the first time in Manchester, did they? Yeah, they did. the The microchip was invented there. Like, there's all this amazing stuff that's happened to Manchester, and it's such. It was such an ethnocentric view of the world that um, an American would only think of American cities as being world or capitals right. yeah. as being world cities. It really got my back up, and because I'm quite a placid person, I didn't say very much at the time. Oh. And this was. I'm guessing four years ago at this point but I've been biding my time just waiting for somebody to ask me on a podcast uh, (laughs) where I can like rant about it yeah do if you could go back to that moment in time what would you say to her I I did say something quite bad at the time what did you say I said something like uh well isn't somebody the small-minded American or or something (sighs) like that it really got my back up did she say anything she, but she, because she had these couple of glasses of wine, she didn't really notice. She didn't take it on. No, yeah. no. But um, it didn't hurt her as much. as It hurt you. No. <laughs> yeah, and I, don't, I don't, you know, I'm pretty sure that she wouldn't have given it a single thought since then. Where I, as I spend quite a lot of time glowering about things generally, mm. um, and this is something that I've returned to really on many stewed. occasions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, I, th- I mean. I think there's enough stuff there to put her in the same category as Hitler and Bin Laden, <laughs> yeah, right? I, think, yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally up to you. How often does she come to visit? Uh, she hasn't been for a while, so we're probably due a visit. Okay, so she might pop by. Yeah. you feel so, like bringing it up? Um, a t- a t- recommend a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like making sure that I've got uh, some kind of receptacle for a rubbish. Okay, yeah. Do so what I'd love to do is, in fact, now I'm thinking I'm going to do this, is buy a load of whatever her favourite brand of mineral water is, but decant Evian water into it. <laughs> it's a lot of effort, but it's amazing. But when she does it and when, when she takes the bottle out and she turns it, she'll be like, this has already been opened maybe I could open it for her like pretend to open it myself. oh say, yeah, Kimberly let me get you a drink I've got pour your favourite pour it into a water. glass of it <coughs> yeah, yeah, yeah there we go That's and then she'll go it. oh yeah this is great and mm. then you can just in the back of your mind know that it's Evian mm. um, there'd be no Evian on the de- desert island no of course is there any natural water or are we I mean are we just destined to drink salt water and slowly go mad I think because um, I think it's up to you okay what do you think um, well I, I would quite like a, a swift death given the company mm. so maybe the salt water maybe there is no fresh water imagine the company, awful. company. i think the thing to do is if you're real i can't remember why i read this but uh, you can drink the moisture out of people's eyeballs or keep you going for a bit <laughs> if true? you're around salt water yeah although tears are salty so i don't quite know if that's true no yeah but i mean when i imagine this island mm. you've got to like collect rainwater you're having to go through a real ordeal with these people mm. you know it's not as if you're going to find a fresh are you forming underwater. a team with them um, it's uh, that's up to you. If so you want to just kill them off, or well, you know. I, I'm not a killer. I'm a weak. I'm, I'm yes. weak. I'm, I'm physically weak. And as I mentioned before, I'm not directly murderous. No. I don't have murderous impulses. So needs must. Yeah. Although I mean, forming any kind of team and hierarchy with. Adolf Hitler, Osama Bin Laden, and Sarah's <laughs> friend Kimberly. I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not at the top of that hierarchy. No. Maybe just let them three fight it out. Yeah, and then just eat whoever dies. Yes. Um, I think I would be the prime candidate for being eaten though, because yeah. all those three are, are far more slender than I am. So, as a vegetarian, would mm. you would you go carnivorous in that in that situation? Yeah, because I, th- I think the vegetarian argument... like if you want to. The vegetarian argument to have weight to it—you've got to be practical, hmm. and you know, want your your biggest—not necessarily mine, but the human beings' biggest instinct is survival. So you you eat what you have to. Right, you're starving. to Yeah. Okay. So you would go carnivorous. Mm. Uh, it's the fifth meat. <laughs> Jeff, now mercifully amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Yes. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favorite food mm. and drink in the world. What are they, and why? Well, for food, I was going to go meat, meat, just all meat. Okay. All meat and fish. Great. And the, the the fish in the ocean around the desert island, the meat. Um, and it doesn't apply in this situation. But if you were asking me to 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 pick the worst food, so here's here's what I f- I, I became a vegetarian when i was about 27 years old mm. because i upset the vegetarian society okay tell us please so i um i used to have this radio producer called leona who had been vegetarian for 13 years i was out for dinner with her one night the next morning we were covering what was then a big show it was the virgin radio breakfast show back when like a gajillion people used to listen to it and chris evans hosted it mm. and um I was eating sausages and she was saying, this is back when I was a meat eater, she was saying, oh, I really miss sausages. I used to love them so much. When I Mm. used to eat sausages, I could sit down, I could eat 15 at one sitting. (laughs) So I stored stored this in the back of my head and I went on air the next morning and I told told the listeners that fact about her. And then I said, okay, Leona, what what is your favourite animal charity? She says, Peter. So I said, so what if... I donated a hundred pounds to Peter, and on Friday morning's breakfast show, you you know we get a chef in to cook you a sausage, and you eat a sausage. Okay. So I said, oh, "I'm not going to do that. I'm a vegetarian." I said, "But yes, but the hundred pounds to an animal charity is going to do more good for animals <laughs> yeah. than you not eating the sausage. So if you don't eat the sausage, I won't give the money to the charity, and animals will suffer." Do you see the see the logic? Here? Yeah. <laughs> so it got into a barter situation. Whereby I eventually agreed to pay like £250 or something to Peter on the condition that she would eat uh, a sausage. So we started arranging for a chef to come in and and so on. Then Peter heard about it and they went ballistic. Oh, my God. Because like I say, this was you know back when that breakfast show had a lot of anything that happened on that show would get a certain amount of attention like chris evans when he was doing it every day there'd be something in the press so people news, were in the habit yeah, of yeah. listening to it so so not that what we were doing was news but it would get back the to fact people. That, yeah. you could do things now on you know um certain shows and uh you know, you you could yeah. you could say that, you could, and it would go you, well, you unnoticed. You, you, yeah. could, you could announce that you were going to like slaughter a human live on air, and it would go unnoticed. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, exactly so, I know. Mean. So, um, so so any anyway. Uh, they they went mad and they you know started like getting people to jam the switchboards of the radio station. Peter, yeah, and they were saying they were going to like send people down with leaflets, and this was back in the days when animal rights protesters were doing a little bit of firebombing here and there, you know, okay. getting creative with mm. it. And and I became scared mm. that you know I, don't, I didn't fancy being a martyr, so so they got in touch and said, "What if we send like a top vegetarian chef and he can come down and cook you veggie sausages and." He can, he can then prove to you that you don't need to eat meat, that the veggie sausage is just so fair enough. So it comes quarter past eight, Friday morning. They've sent their chef down. He's all set up down in the staff canteen. I go down the corridor with a little microphone and headphones. I get him to explain what he's cooking. It's this veggie sausage. I say, okay, I'm going to take a taste of it now. And I'm, I'm ashamed of this. Like I'd planned it in advance. And it was so immature of me. But as soon as I put it in my mouth, I went, oh, it's disgusting. Oh, oh no. get water. Get water. I need to drink water. Oh, this is horrible. Yeah. yeah, just thinking I'd do it for a laugh. And they didn't find it a bit funny. Oh, no. And, you know, they were threatening to mail shot all their members and whatever. So I said, as a sign of goodwill, I'll go vegetarian for, life. for, a, for a week. Oh, for, w- for a week. Okay. Now, the the other thing that was going on in my life at the time is I'm an alcoholic. I've not had a drink for 16 years or something. Mm. And um, my alcoholism was kind of at its peak. It was out of control. And I found having this one little bit of discipline, this bit of control felt quite good to me. And then I later attached principles to it. Okay. About animals and things But right. at the time It was it, That that was how it came about But I was one of these people Who like, I've never liked Thinking about What's on my plate And what's in a field As the same thing Right yeah me So too. that's never mm. Never very comfortable For me mm-hmm. So like So my point With meat Really is That as, as you mentioned before, if, if for survival, you've got to eat what you've got to eat, right? Sure. But we live in this bloated mm. society where we don't, none of us ever need to eat meat. There is so much, you go into any supermarket and there's so much food on the shelf that you could eat and survive and be nutritionally perfect mm. without eating any meat for the rest of your life, right? Right. So basically, this is, this is. The selfishness of the human being, you're thinking, oh, it just tastes a little bit nicer though, doesn't it? So you're looking at, I don't know, say um, uh, spaghetti aglio olio with a bit of parsley and a bit of chili and a bit of garlic, very nice. Or you're looking at, um, I don't know, charcuterie, like Mm. a plate of meat, you think. Oh, I just really fancy the place of meat, though. So it's probably better that something dies, just so that I can ha- I, I, so that I can have something that I slightly prefer. Yes. It's not that you're going to go hungry or you're not going to have something delicious. Yes. You're just going to think I'd just rather eat that. It's just, mm. oh, it's okay if it dies because I'd just rather. I just prefer it. it tastes a bit nicer. Yeah, yeah it just okay. it feels yeah. awful to no, me. No. Um, Sometimes it's nice. Yeah, but that's my whole point. Oh, it's nice, though. It's nice to have a bit of meat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also nice for things not to have to lose their life so that (laughs) you can eat something that tastes to you slightly better than something that would taste perfectly delicious. And I know that meat substitutes are horrible, but I'm telling you, after 16 years, Mm. if I eat um, pretend ham, Mm. I can't remember what ham tastes like. It's just as good. It's (laughs) like a a bit of um, whatever... You know that gets out with what what are your teeth that are good for eating meat those ones your canines. yeah those ones canines you know, maybe it's kind yeah but you know it's 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 fine um, why why would you have pretend ham though why would you eat pretend ham because I I remember once getting into a thing at a party with a guy about this not you know that I'm often at a party <laughs> but a guy said well you're not a very good vegetarian if you like eating pretend meat I'm saying no I'm a better vegetarian because I used to really enjoy meat right. Like so, if you don't like the taste of, if you never enjoyed meat and then you go veggie, good for you for your principles. But there's no great sacrifice going on there, right? Okay. Yes. Whereas I used to really enjoy meat, mm. but I'm a good enough human being to understand that it's probably better that something doesn't lose its life for you, just too. because I slightly prefer it. So if I can get something that you know um, scratches that itch a little bit, then mm. then great. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It makes perfect sense. Uh, I'm curious to know, with the animal charity, did they arrange the the vegetarian chef to come? Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. That was really nice of them to do. Yeah, it wasn't nice of me. I'm (laughs) I'm ashamed of my behaviour. I was just, you know, it was for a stupid laugh. Can you picture that moment in your mind perfectly? Is it one of those? I'll be be, be honest, I was probably a bit drunk, so I can't. (laughs) Okay, right. It is amazing that your vegetarianism ran alongside your... Alcoholism. Yeah. Because basically what booze does is makes you think, oh, fuck it. Like, whatever, you, you lose a sense of consequence. That's the basic thing that drink does. Yes. So, you know, it might be, ah, fuck it, I'll stay for one more drink and I won't go home, despite the fact that, you know, my wife or girlfriend's waiting to watch a show with me. Or will be, ah, Fuck it! It doesn't matter if I buy everybody and drink uh, everybody in the pub are drink even And the next I can't day you wake it. up, yeah. Or, ah, fuck it! It doesn't matter if I sleep with this person, despite the fact that I've already got a partner. That's basically uh, yes. what okay. drink is doing to people. So you're saying that why isn't drink making me think? Ah. Fuck it, I might as well eat a McDonald's burger. Yeah, and the the answer is I don't. There wasn't much overlap. There was only a couple of months. Right, okay. But I think it was something to do with the fact that my alcoholism had gone so crazy that you know just part of me was yearning for a little bit of control in my life. Amazing. Mm. All right, meat. Yeah. Um, Do you take any offence if you're if you're um, if you're at a table and other people are eating meat? no because it's not up to me to you know I'll sit in silent judgment mm. <laughs> yeah you know, for the reason that I detailed before but I th- I just think it's um I don't I don't there are things I don't like looking at like, I, don't mm. like yeah. I don't like walking past a butchers I don't like if something looks too much like what it was yeah. when it was walking around but um it all just feels unnecessary yeah I not don't, I don't, what I don't like is if people start getting too apologetic around like either don't eat meat mm. or don't or, or, or just, or shut or just up. do it yeah, yeah. okay yeah, yeah. Like my mother-in-law is constantly saying to me, Jeff, I have changed my eating so much. You've really made me think about these things. Now, I did have a brisket on Friday night. <laughs> I think, yeah. Fine if you had a brisket, but don't... Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, just don't tell me about yeah. it. Yeah. A bird in a bird in a bird. P- but yeah. P- oh, unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. People, it's almost like a confessional or something. Yeah. People want to confess their meaty sins to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if all vegetarians deal with that. I'm sure they do, and I'm sure... I think a lot of vegetarians can be sanctimonious as well. And I feel very, you know, I feel inferior to a vegan. Oh, right, okay. So I have no doubt that vegans are morally superior and that the dairy industry is fucking insane, right? Like Mm. So... I mean, it's just like you, what you don't ever want to do is think about dairy. No. Yeah. Because just the concept of it, like the concept of eating meat, if you think it comes out of the need for survival. And, and actually, I, there is evolutionary stuff that suggests that we were never that carnivorous. We we're always you know, very omnivorous and, and mm. maybe more plant based than meat based. But anyway, that's a, a whole other thing. But you, you can kind of see where that comes from. You really struggled to see where the idea of dairy came from yes for sure yeah and and it's not to me it's not to me that somebody thought hmm, that cow there what if i pulled on that oh something comes out what if i drank that that's not the weirdest thing to me mm. the weirdest thing to me is that they went and told somebody else and the other person went <laughs> yeah i'll give that a go <laughs> right okay But i think like the, the dairy is like bizarre like the cheese is bizarre Yo- the, yogurt you just don't want to think about it no um but it is and nice, Jesus. It, well, it is nice. And, and, you know, this is... A vegan would make the same argument to me mm. as I would make to a meat-eater um, that I'm basically just having this stuff because oh, it's just nice, though, isn't it? Yes, and, OK. And... Um, it's so I like to kid myself that if I'm drinking milk, there's been uh, like a little milking stool involved oh, and a milkmaid. Yes, that's you know, I'm not picture. thinking of somebody yeah. rigged up to, like all these miserable cows In the rigged big, up to um, uh, stainless steel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen the film Okja? Yeah, I watched it with you. Oh, because you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like thinking that my dairy is coming from that kind I, of environment. But it could be, yeah. almost definitely. Yeah, like, yeah, almost definitely. You only have so, to watch Simon Amstel's... Um... Which I haven't done because I know it will make me feel bad about myself. Right, yeah. Um, which I think, you know, I, I understand that is how people think about meat as well. But uh, i just give them a wide berth because here's the thing. Because I don't drink, I think there's already some deprivation in my life. Like I, I, I don't get to do that thing that everybody else does. And, and the reason I'm alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, mm. is because there's obviously some like, deep-seated emotional, psychological problems in me, a hole that I was trying to fill with, with the drink. Yeah. Now, I don't get to fill that hole with the drink anymore, but that's not to say the hole isn't still there. Mm. So one of the ways in which I try and fill it is by eating nice food. And I really love Indian food. Mm. And if I went vegan, a lot of that Indian food would be out of the equation and you can't you can't really I think of that there are joy. some excellent vegan restaurants these days and it is getting better and it's really trendy at the minute like hipsters are into the vegan stuff mm. but like eating out in restaurants is a great pleasure of mine and to some and as a vegetarian it can be tricky but you always get your option and in some restaurants like indian restaurants or whatever it's it's fantastic mm. i think once you say okay i'm vegan your relationship with eating out changes completely right okay and i don't love anywhere that smacks of 1970s art center vegan canteen. No, yeah, um, and th- there are some good ones, but it's way behind the other. You don't want to be places. at a point where you're having to check everything so meticulously. No, asking every time. No, no. If you want, you just want to see that little V next to whatever yeah. it's called. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. I'm very good at scanning for the V. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I hate it actually. If I ever go to a restaurant, um, like a veggie restaurant or a particularly, you know, good restaurant that caters to veggies, if I if I get the same amount of choice on a menu as a normal person, I get completely thrown because really what I do, and if I go anywhere, I look at a menu, scan for the V or whatever, and then put it down again, and I'm done in about a minute. Pick one but, of the two yeah. things. Yeah, whereas, you know, if you ever go anywhere with choice, I find it quite crippling these days. Okay, Jeff, um what's going to be your drink choice? Mm. My wife drinks this. Th- Honestly, James, it's it's disgusting. <laughs> what is it? So... It's some berries that I'd never previously heard of, so I might be saying it right, but I think they're called acai berries. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. So she gets a frozen bag of those, and she gets some bananas, and she gets some almond milk, and she pours it all into the Vitamix, or whatever it's called. And it looks so horrible what comes out. It's very difficult to... Explain. If I was to say it, it looked like mud. That would make it sound more appealing than it actually is. Because you may be thinking, "Oh, a bit like a chocolate milkshake." It's not. It's it's almost got a greyish pallor to it, like somewhere between grey and and like a, a horrible shade of purple. Like yeah. if somebody had got frostbite, like the colour they would turn. And. Have you, so you, you're not drinking this? No, because I, I don't like a banana. Ah. I think Smoothies are very much off limits for me because the banana gives them the consistency. Right. And I don't enjoy a banana. And often Sarah will try making something with a banana in it and say, "No, you won't be able to taste it. But I get it every time. Even in the mix like that? In the mix like that. Very strong to me. Dislike a banana. <laughs> Why is that? No, apparently when i was a little kid i used to love them but um i probably had some vomiting incident or maybe it's something to do with that medicine you have when you're little i, d- oh, I don't one. know i but, like that um yeah i liked it but i always felt it was more vanilla-y than banana-y but i think maybe um I think it's quite chemically yeah. <laughs> um yeah um, yeah so what and- does it smell like this drink it is it's completely odorless oh yeah <laughs> yeah it doesn't smell a bit of it and i just i just think have something you'll enjoy. Mm. So people having health foods like the, that are this extreme. Mm. So there are no, there's no doubt in my mind that there's, there's some good health food out there. Mm. But when people are making themselves like sprout smoothies, yeah. I like sprout as much as the next person. But you're not meant to drink it. But boiled next to some stuffing into and yeah. some gravy. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. Um, so I think I know the answer to this already. But the reason that she's drinking this is health food. It's Yeah, a health food, and that's it. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't. So I, she's kind of battling through it for the health reasons there are other things you know we were fine like i i really had never heard of an akai berry (laughs) (laughs) until two three years ago and i've been around a lot of people some unhealthy some healthy and and they were getting on just fine without it like people weren't drinking this this horrible concoction of a of a deathly palo like don't don't do it to yourself what else goes in there again i th- I'd, I'd have to ask her but i think the the main bits are almond milk okay yeah and you know for whatever i said about Dairy before this. This nut milk seems very peculiar to me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people are pretend pretending. It, it's when people are pretending something is nicer than it is that it gets to me. Mm. I think that's the whole thing. So I think these soy milks, nut milks, they're not nice, but people are having them for these health reasons. But then they start saying, "Oh no, actually, it's really good." When you get used to it, it really tastes good. And I just think it, it doesn't. No. You might have dulled your senses to some extent, <laughs> but well maybe wait 16 years and it yeah. might taste like milk <laughs> i um no i've had it a few times and the only time that it's ever been okay is in a porridge like a sugary porridge and then you don't know right because that what you're doing you can- there is is using the sugar to mask the flavor on yeah it. my mum in a cup of tea or coffee is up to i think almost six sugars wow Mm. So she's always had a lot of sugar in a hot drink and she drinks more coffee than anybody I know. Um, Not espressos or anything. I'm talking about instant Nescafe Mm. coffee. Mm. And I say to her, mum, you don't like the taste of coffee. What you like is warmth and sweetness. Yes. Like you could just be drinking hot water. Excuse me, I just burped that. You could be (laughs) drinking hot water with that much sugar in it and it it would make no difference. Yeah. How's her teeth? (laughs) um her teeth i mean she's always going to the dentist but she still has some teeth my nan who also had a lot of sugar in her um coffee she she would drink all this sugar but instead of using toothpaste every night when she brushed her teeth she would use salt and water she'd like put salt on the tooth toothbrush and and brush with salt why is that it's like a thing i guess from the olden days and let me tell you something about her teeth I love it when people say "olden days." <laughs> yeah, olden days. Yeah. Um, like when when does it become the olden days? So if you're talking to your daughter Ayla yeah. about you growing up in the oh, 90s as a millennial, it'd be the like like, olden days. But what is the cutoff? What's the cutoff? When do the olden days start? Start? And when do they, well they start? I guess whenever you want them to start. But what is the cutoff? When? Um, I don't know. How far back in time do you have to go before a, it becomes the a, olden c- days? It's on a case by case basis. I think. So. Yeah. Anyway, so my nan she used to like all all her life. She would brush her teeth using salt water and, and salt on the toothbrush, mm. and her teeth actually were the worst teeth you've ever seen. <laughs> they were like little black pegs. <laughs> they didn't look like human teeth. They're like the Queen Mother's teeth. I mean, she must have done the same thing. That's so great. Like little peanuts, <laughs> burnt little peanuts. peanuts. Yeah. I I use baking soda toothpaste. I lo- I do, but do you not think it's an affectation? I I don't know. When did you start using it? Uh, when I met Esther and she used it before that I used a toothpaste with a lot of chemical looking colours yeah it. like a uh, aqu- uh, whatever the one is but it's got uh, blue, red and white it's in- very childish of you I know is that signal toothpaste I think it's called uh, it's Aquafresh, right but um, I- good for you for you know not just having Colgate Colgate's very mainstream to be honest I probably just used whatever my parents bought or whatever was on offer at the time I use McLean's it feels a bit more indie <laughs> clean Actually, no, I'll tell you, the indie toothpaste is euthermol and the one that you're using, the baking soda. Um, That's a bit indie alternative. Arm and Hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. It's that band, you know, that sort of some people have heard of, but not everyone's like yeah. cool enough to sit down and listen to. Have you ever used euthermol? Uh, no, but it sounds like uh, something that you might um do to people. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's from like a nineteen twenties druggist. It's it's oh, right. it, you know, it's a very nice packaging. And I think old people use it, but it burns your mouth. Okay, yeah. I think it burns the plaque off your teeth. <laughs> there is something awful about the consistency of the baking soda toothpaste. Gr- <laughs> Gritty. Yes, that's exactly yeah. it. And do you use an electric toothbrush? Yeah. I use an electric toothbrush, but every now and again when I'm feeling mellow I break out the acoustic. <laughs> yeah, just do it old style, unplugged. Sorry, not audible laughter because I had a mouthful of water. That was really (laughs) good. I was hoping for a spit take. (laughs) That's really good. Cool. Jeff, fortunately you won't be without entertainment on this island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work. But just your luck, it only has two working settings. One has your least favourite film of all time and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Well, I've... I've, I've I think I've got this slightly wrong because okay. what I've gone with is actually one of my favourite films of all time, but one that I feel doesn't stand up to scrutiny in a certain way. Okay. So I, this could be influenced by the fact that we're recording this on the in between days. Do you not think these days should be called in between days? Like a yeah, cure song? I, I think I saw it uh, written down as Gooch Week. Gooch? I saw it uh, written down as Gooch Week. How are you spelling Gooch? G O O C H. Uh-huh. Like your perineum. Right, yes, I've the, heard that, yeah. Between your balls yeah, and your balls, that's good, that's good. But, uh, um, I didn't know that was called your gooch. It's called your gooch? I did not know that. Well, there we go. <laughs> wow. That's the tagline. So I'm always struggling for a word for it it's gooch. when I'm talking about it's it, which gooch. I often it's am. It's your um, yeah. Um, in Between Days is a much nicer... Yeah, I think maybe that's what they call it in, in Sweden where I've spent a lot of time. And I think, I've, I think we've got the Cure song In Between Days. Mm. Let's try and make it a thing here. Yeah. So a- anyway, so we're recording this between Christmas and New Year. So this film is on my mind at the moment because I love it. And every Christmas I go and see it at the cinema and have done since I was uh, about 20. We went to see it at the British Film Institute last week and I will make a point of finding a cinema that's showing it. And it's the Jimmy Stewart classic Christmas film, It's a Wonderful Life. Brilliant. Now I love that film mm. but because I've seen it so many times I find it very easy to to pick holes in okay yeah and the the thing I'd most like to mention in this uh, in this in this context is if people don't know the film it's about uh, a guy in a small town with big dreams of leaving the town and and uh, going out to become an architect and designing bridges and cities. And um, meanwhile, his dad runs a small building and loans firm. Mm. And due to a chain of events, he, he ends up taking over this firm. His dad dies and he gets stuck in the town right? That uh, that he's grown up in and his ambitions are thwarted. And really what it's about is little dreams can be just as important as the big dreams and your life is beautiful even though you don't think it is. It's That's nice. basically the yeah. premise of the film. Anyway, so the the kind of dramatic high spot of the film is he finds himself, through no fault of, himself, uh, of his own, in a terrible financial situation and at his wit's end he decides to throw himself off a bridge commit suicide because he has a life insurance policy that will fix all the problems and make sure that his family is okay. And his idea is that his life is worthless and he's worth more uh, d- dead than alive. Mm-hmm. And then an angel is sent from heaven to show him what the world would be like if he'd never lived. And, you you know, you, you see that the, the town... He, he grew up in has fallen into the hands of the evil capitalist and it's full of strip clubs. Like, it's a small village <laughs> yeah. and there must be 15 strip clubs. I mean, how they are they supporting, supporting that kind they of strip? Stripte- yeah, I know, and, and punters. I mean, yeah. those are some quite empty G-strings, you would imagine. Yeah. Just coins in them, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and it's like this real decadent town. And um, his brother, who was a war hero, uh, he, he is dead. He sees his brother's grave because... Um, if he'd never been born, he would have never stopped his brother having an accident as a little boy. He would have fallen through the ice and drowned. So his brother had died, and then all these people on the on the aircraft carriers would have died because his brother hadn't prevented the Germans from bombing them or whatever. And then, worst of all, and it's the big reveal. Mm. Uh, so he's at his brother's grave, and he's he's beside himself because he's thinking, "But my my brother, the, the, all these lives would have been lost if my my brother wasn't here." And my, he'd been to see his mother, who's like an old. Um, it's a bitter old woman running a guest house and she doesn't recognise him. So he's had all these traumatic things of seeing what life would be like without him up to and including the death of his brother. Mm. And then he says to the angel, but, but what about Mary, meaning his wife? And the angel's like, oh, well, I don't, I don't think I can tell you that. You're thinking, God, how bad can this be? Given yeah. that he's found out that his brother is dead. Yeah. He says, tell me, tell me. He says, I'll tell you, but you're, you're not going to like it. She never married. She's an old maid, and she's closing up the library. <laughs> and like the the horrible reveal of what the world would have been like if he hadn't been there. The the climax is that his wife was a spinster and a librarian. So so all I mean all this is going on, and yeah. uh, and all anyway, these people the, die. Yeah, but that's not as bad as the fact that his wife is he's a, he's a librarian. librarian and unwed at the age of like thirty five or whatever she would have been. Um, so so th- there's that and also so the angel is showing him what the world would be like if he'd never been born but i sometimes wonder that not having ever been born and committing suicide they're not the same thing no yeah so up so imagine <laughs> imagine if he'd committed suicide rather than seen seen what the world was like without him yeah. that his brother would still be alive and all those soldiers would have been saved in the war mm. his mother would be happy the town wouldn't have fallen into the hands of a sinner um, his wife wouldn't be a yes. librarian so that that's all the same none of that has change. Yeah. All that happens is at that point he commits suicide. And I think, well, maybe things would have gone better. Yeah. Like maybe his wife would have remarried somebody who was, um, you know, a little less emotionally volatile. <laughs> the town the- would have been out of financial burden. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe somebody else would have come over and taken over that building and loans would have been even greater than him. There's nothing to say that life wouldn't have got better at that point, he committed suicide. Only the point. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Do Do you think that um, originally they were going to write what would have happened, and then they realised that actually it probably would have been <laughs> it all worked out. Fine. Oh, uh, maybe let's just write <laughs> that he hadn't been born. Yeah. So undoubtedly. You know, it's good that he was born, but there's there's no there's no compelling evidence that the angel gives to him that you know the the world would continue to be a better place with him in it. You want to see a bit of what the future would look like if you weren't in it, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what you think about all the time. Yes. So that's um that's that's uh the film I've chosen, and then the song choice is the national anthem. Okay. Yeah. which I think it's a dreary tune. Like, a weird thing about that tune is, so national anthems weren't really a thing until about 200 years ago, and I am pulling that figure out of my bum to some extent. Mm. But um, And then I think Britain and the Netherlands got one, and other countries thought, oh, that's good, we should have one too. But at first, like everybody used the same tune, so what is God Save the Queen Here was, you know, I don't know. the is finish. National, yeah ah. Yeah, and I think it still is the national anthem in a few different countries, and in America it's some song, patriotic song that they used in a different context but it's a dreary tune like, mm. so if you watch things like the Olympics where they're doing oh. other national anthems ours isn't good it's I think Billy Bragg has said they should replace it with Jerusalem which is a far more Great, stirring yeah. mm. tune and you know despite the sort of religious connotations of it it's actually about a country and what a country is rather than this is my big problem with the national anthem it's God save the Queen Yes, I don't care about the Queen and I don't Uh-oh. believe in God <laughs> yes. so yeah. it's meaningless I'm, I, I'm not a particularly patriotic Mm. person in a sense like i really love um you know I, I feel very lucky that i was born into this modern country and i think there are great things about its history and great things about its present despite uh the the you know the times we're living through mm. but that said it's just an accident isn't it where you're born yeah like, i think feeling particularly proud of where you're born is a peculiar thing because yeah it's just a complete yeah. accident it's not anything you've had any part in yeah really it's like with uh, football people saying us and we yeah, yeah. and that kind of stuff it 's you know yeah circumstantial yeah I, I always think just a bit of a tangent, but i 've said this before, like so if the beatles hadn 't split up in one thousand nine hundred and seventy mm. And, you know, Ringo had left and somebody else had joined. And then at some stage, Paul had left and somebody else had joined. Mm. And, you know, same with George and John. And then like they start making this terrible music that sounds nothing like the music. I... They wouldn't be my favourite band anymore. I'm not loyal to the brand, the Beatles. And I think the same about football teams. Because they're getting new people all the time. It's not the same people that when no, you first signed No, which... basically, yes. you're, I think this is somebody else's line. I can't remember who said it. But you're, you're supporting some shirts, really. Yes, it is. Yeah, you're supporting sure. a uniform. Yeah. yeah yeah um but anyway, God save the queen i don 't believe in god uh i'm not a monarchist yeah like if if I do want to sort of um Make a nod towards patriotism. It's the worst possible song for me, and you're stuck there, and the, the, you know you've got Adolf Hitler, Summer bin Laden, and Kimbley's just dropping like co- <laughs> coconut rind all over the place, and then it fires up <laughs> for the seven thousandth time. God, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I always think that it's it's so dreary, and what always happens just before the national anthem is. <sighs> yeah, God <laughs> yeah. <say. laughs> you're right yeah yeah. yeah the it's almost audible the this is yeah. big sigh that and yeah. the sort of rain over us bit feels horrible and subservient to me yeah you know Makes you think of colonization yeah and it horrible. does yeah like yeah. Uh, you know if, if you're gonna have a song about a country you want it to be something that you feel like you're part of yes and that you're you know you're part of a long tradition of people taking part in this country and making it what it is mm. not some people who just happen to be born somewhere where like a very rich person reigns over you and it I know, just like yeah. feels weird to me because i know when i used to be on the radio i'd say some of this stuff sometimes and people would go ape shit and call me a traitor and things especially people who served in the armed forces who I mm. guess like you you really sold that idea of your monarch and your queen yes. but if there was no monarchy can you imagine that like sort of th- 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 there'd never been a monarchy in a country and then a government proposed all right here's what we're going to do we're going to pick a family mm. and from now until forever that we're going to pay for them to live in the lap Lavish, of luxury, yeah, like yeah. In the, you know, we will do that. And and um, you know, you have got a daughter, mm. you got Ayla saying, "So, oh, who's that? He said, oh, that's Queen Ayla." So, oh, what? And who's the queen? Well, she she's the head of state of Britain, and uh, she rules over us, and she lives in a palace, and she has all these servants, and mm. she wears a crown. And then Ayla says to you, "That sounds great. How can I be?" How can I be queen? Say, oh, you can't. You need to just be born into the right family. Yeah, like, It's horrible. Yeah, isn't it? it's really weird. Yeah, and um, yeah, don't worry about it. We're just going to talk about them all the time and treat them as celebrities. Well, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's a soap opera, isn't it? Yes. It's bizarre, but people are really into them again now because of those boys, who, you know, seem yeah, nice I know. lads and whatever. Well, yeah. I, I, I do think like royal family by lottery would be uh, preferable. Yes, that, a yearly lottery, yeah, just change it up. Yeah, yeah, get the um, the Lotto Lout in yeah, to yeah. do it for a year. <laughs> um, I'd like him to be the first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff, finally, mm. the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal <laughs> is it, and why? Well, as I've said, I'm a great animal lover, mm. but. I fucking hate moths oh yeah They're the bane of my life and you know i i i'm such an animal person that i won't kill a mosquito if i'm on holiday and there's a mosquito in the bedroom i would sooner wake up covered in mosquito bites than harm that mosquito if i can't get it out of the window right yeah but Honestly, like it gives me and Hitler something to talk about because I would happily do genocide of the clothes moths. Yeah, I hate them. Like around my house, I've got all these moth traps. They don't work. The amount of stuff I've, the amount of money I've invested in trying to defeat the moths. I've paid rent to kill thousands of pounds. I've got these bags for putting suits and things in that. Honestly, I think you could wear them in space and you'd be able to, you, you know, you, you'd you be fine. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, because they're that good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, could, you could go underwater in them. I've, but, s- I've said this to you before, I've never known anyone have moth problems like you. Let me, that is unbelievable. Yeah, they're, they're the worst. They, uh, Are looking I'm looking, looking behind you, there is a moth trap somewhere where you'll see about 15 dead moths on it. Oh, really? Yeah, But and, and also I can find myself like pushed to the edge of sanity by them. So there's a time of year when you start seeing them again. So we're we're recording this in december Mm. so we probably won't see any but as spring starts coming i'll see one they're back and then i'll be putting these (laughs) traps about the place and i'll be you know twitching and and looking all over the place and i I seem like a man who's having a nervous breakdown and it's possible that i'm hallucinating these moths but (laughs) Uh, jeff imagine if the moths were never real i know they're the uh, yeah i mean it would make a lot of sense (laughs) They're the worst, though. Uh, I keep, I've got three cashmere jumpers and I keep them in the freezer. I know this about you. I've got a drawer, a freezer drawer. Like There's a, a frozen banana of Sarah's. There's like, some of the horrible berries, like ice cubes, a Linda McCartney pie and three cashmere jumpers <laughs> in it. Kimberly's out there, and she's like, "I'm fine to be weird about everyone." This guy keeps catching jumpers in the freezer. Have you ever had a house guest pull the freezer? Open? Yeah, it happened the other day. Actually, somebody you know, somebody came round and they wanted some ice for their drink, and then they pulled the freezer. i are like, "Oh, are these, are these your jumpers?" Yeah, I keep them in there. And if I was rich, I would get um, one of those chest freezers, and mm. I'd stand it upright, and I'd put a clothes rail in it, and I'd use it as a wardrobe. It's clever. Yeah, I don't think you need to be rich to do that. Uh you'd think you need a certain amount of space. Okay to put Oh yeah, yeah. sure. All right, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd look weird just in the corner of your bedroom, wouldn't it? Imagine that. You'd just... need some kind of like refrigerated room, I think, <laughs> a refrigerated wardrobe. Maybe you could get one of those ones installed that they usually keep meat in yes. <laughs> hanging yeah, <laughs> and you yeah, keep yeah. all your clothes in it. <laughs> <laughs> it could be motorized and you press it and yeah. then your shirt's has <laughs> <laughs> Um Imagine just an island overrun with moths as well. Awful. I mean, the, the, the merciful thing I'm guessing would be the island would have a... Because cl- it's a desert island. Mm. I heard um, Chris Skinner on your podcast a while ago, like getting into, would it be one of those North Atlantic... Uh, yes. And, and no, we've established it's a desert island. It's mm. called Desert Island Dicks. Yeah. I thought that was a waste of your time getting into that. <laughs> I felt angry at him for, for talking about it. It's a desert island. I'm often wasting my so, time. So, no, so it's it's you know the implication is it's tropical, right? It's a warm yeah. island. Oh, yeah. So I don't need to be worrying about my cashmere or my nice wool suits. No, okay. On a desert island. Yes. You so don't need that. You know, I'm probably be wearing a sarong, and and you're clothes, a very warm man. The clothes. I am a warm man. Yeah. Yeah. I do, do, yeah I get overheated a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, a, a swamp in my you know that bit right at the top of your legs. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there a name for that? So your perineum is called your gooch. Mm. So I'm talking alongside your scrotum. Yeah. Right at the top of your leg. I know the bit you, you, you should mean. Get your yeah. finger in there. Pubic mound? Is it your pubic? No, no, it's no, lower no, than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I mean, it's like a swamp in there for me <laughs> because I'm just very. I generate a lot of heat. <laughs> it's just a nice yeah. picture for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I'm th- imagining you having this big cold room with all your clothes in, and at some point. In the future, where you and your wife become so embittered that you have to stay in separate rooms, that's where you put your single bed, in the middle of this cold, cold room. One of the big arguments in our marriage is that I like the bedroom cold and she Mm. likes it hot. So I will not, I'm zero tolerance for a radiator in the bedroom. Yeah. I think what you want to be is warm under the duvet, but breathing in the cold air. I like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a very warm person, but I think, Mm. I'm a very cold person, sorry. Nesh. Yeah, I am. You feel I think. The cold, yeah, yeah, I do feel the cold. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah, I'd say that because was... they they say that people who feel the cold, it's because they've got bad circulation. I do have b- bad circulation, which I you know, I'm I, I'm not somebody with a lot of self esteem, and I don't find many things to like about myself. But I think I must have excellent circulation. Yeah, then, I think you do because I'm <laughs> seldom cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeff, James, thank you very much for doing this. Thank you for having me on. Uh, on your desert island, Jeff, uh, If people want to hear more from you, where where can they hear you? Ah, uh, Google me, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know, uh, I, I do uh, a podcast with Annabelle Port called Adrift which is for the, loosely for the socially awkward. Mm. And I do a podcast with the in no way socially awkward Ed Miller Band called Reasons to be Cheerful, which is um, if you are a progressive person depressed about the state of the world and thinking, what hope is there for somebody like me? We find good ideas to get excited about from around the world. And uh, if somehow you're in America and you listen to this by accident, you can hear me on Sirius XM radio on the official Beatles channel yeah excellent thank you so much thank you